Welcome to what I call the wisdom of Chirac again. Every time we've ever went through these uh, proverbs that are here, we've just had a joy doing it. Many of the old-time studiers really love this. We have been requested by the old-timers to do this. It's uh, whether you're um, beginning or whether you're well into your trek into the wisdom and understanding. Uh, this here is just a uh, wonderful way to gain the wisdom and understanding. Uh, this, this book harmonizes with all 77 books of the King James, Jaser, and Enoch, all of it. But the proper title of Ecclesiasticus is the wisdom of Jesus, the son of Shirach, or Ecclesiasticus. All right. Now, the timing of this is after the captivity, and because this is in the Old Testament. It's the Old Testament Apocrypha here. And uh, the um, prologues here, there's two of them we're going to read before we get started. And they're going to give you the timing of all this. So, here we go. So sit back, strap yourself in, get your favorite drink, a big old cup of coffee or whatever it is, and enjoy this uh, traveling through the wisdom of Chirac because it is just a joy. Uh, there's prophecy and everything else in this. And it, like I said, great harmonization with all 77 books of the King James here. So here we are, the wisdom of Jesus, the son of Sirach, or Ecclesiasticus, a pro prologue made by an uncertain author. Okay. This Jesus was the son of Sirach and grandchild to Jesus, the of the same name with him. This man, therefore, lived in the latter times after the people had been led, a, a, led away captive and called home again, and almost after all the prophets, capital P. Now his grandfather, Jesus, now, folks, that would be Yahshua in Hebrew. Now, his grandfather, Jesus, as he himself witnesseth, was a man of great diligence and wisdom among the Hebrews, who did not only gather the grave and short sentences of wisdom, that had been before him, but himself also uttered some of his own, full of much understanding and wisdom. Whenas, therefore, the first Jesus died, leaving, his, leaving this book almost perfected, Shirach, his son, receiving it after him, left it to his own son, Jesus, who having gotten it into his hands, 
compiled it all orderly into one volume and called it Wisdom, capital W. Entitled, entitling it both by his own name, his father's name, and his grandfather's, alluring the hearer by the very name of wisdom to have a greater love to the study of this book. It containeth therefore wise sayings, dark sentences, and parables, and certain particular ancient godly stories of men that pleased God, also his prayer and song. Moreover, what benefits God had? It's called vouchsafed his people and what plagues he had heaped upon their enemies. This Jesus did imitate Solomon and was no less famous for wisdom and learning, both being indeed a man of great learning and so reputed also. So that one's from the uh, unknown author there. And this uh, book, folks, is full of prophecy, and it harmonizes completely, not just with Proverbs, but with all 77 books. Now we have another prologue uh, from Jesus, the son of Shirach. And it says, Whereas many and great things have been delivered unto us by the law, and the prophets, and by others that have followed their steps for the which things Israel ought to be commended for learning and wisdom, and whereof not only the readers must needs become skillful themselves, but also they that desire to learn, be able to profit them which are without both by speaking and writing. My grandfather Jesus, when he had much given himself to the reading of the law, capital L, and the prophets and other books of our fathers, and had gotten therein good judgment, was drawn on also himself to write something pertaining to learning and wisdom to the intent that those which are desirous to learn and are addicted to these things might profit much more in living according to the law. You see, this, these parables, they open the doors of understanding into the law, into the doctrine, folks. So there it is. It says, Wherefore, let me entreat you to read it with favor and attention 
and to pardon us, wherein we might we may seem to come short of some words which we have labored to interpret. Okay, so interpretation here, he's saying the ambiguities of language are, are, are it's just not as beautiful. And they're trying their best to go into the, uh, all the languages. On we go in the prologue here. It says, for the same things uttered in Hebrew, Hebrew and translated into an other tongue have not the same force in them. And not only these things, but the law itself and the prophets and the rest of the books have no small difference when they are spoken in their own language. For in the eight and thirtieth year coming into Egypt, when Evergates was king, capital K, and continuing there some time, I found a book of no small learning. Therefore, I thought it most necessary for me to bestow some diligence and travail to interpret it, using great watchfulness and skill in that space to bring the book to an end and set it forth for them also, which in a strange country are willing to learn being prepared before in manners to live after the law. Now, we're getting the benefits to this labor here. And I tell you, everybody that's dove in here, that I know of, and they're skilled in the Bible, have really enjoyed it and benefited from it. A lot of the old-time studiers that study here with the King James Bible Prophecy Church, uh, they really enjoy this part of the King James Bible. It uh, will benefit all of us, and it'll harmonize uh, with the new and the Old Testament, and the Old Testament Apocrypha. So, uh, like I said, sit back, get that cup of coffee, or whatever you do, enjoy this, as we're going to travel through the wisdom of Chirac together. Day by day, we'll be putting these up here. And uh, we're looking forward to this. Uh, we're going to do all 51 books. And that 51st is that prayer of Chirac. So anyway, here we go. This is a lot of subjects here, a lot of things that uh, are touched on that people wouldn't even know are in the Bible that have a uh, depleted Bible that's only 66 books. That's not right. This was here in 1611, and it was here for a reason. Okay. Okay. So... Here we go. Let's get started into chapter 1 here, as all wisdom comes from God. All right. Chapter 1 in the wisdom 
of Jesus, the son of Sharak or Ecclesiasticus. Chapter 1, verse 1. Capital A, all wisdom cometh from the Lord and is ever with him forever. Okay? So the rest of the worldly stuff, that's going to come and go, right? But this particular wisdom, like there in 1 Kings 3.9, according to the translators, it's going to last forever. Two, it says, Who can number the sand of the sea and the drops of rain and the days of eternity? Question mark. Who can find out the height of heaven and the breadth of earth and the deep and wisdom? All right. Notice the dimensions here. Notice the worldly uh, creation here being described. The height that's up into heaven, into the third heaven, by the way. And the breath of the firmament of the earth, north, south, east, and west, the four corners of the earth, and the deep. That's Sheol below in the firmaments, like in the creation there in Genesis. In forces wisdom hath been created before all things, and the understanding of prudence from everlasting. Okay, your understanding prudence, that's the diligence that you take, the motivation that you have to seek out wisdom and understanding. Okay? And notice here, Christ created this before he created all the other things. Okay? And used wisdom and understanding to create the other things in uh, this world and the world to come. Five, it says, the word of God most high is the fountain of wisdom, and her ways are everlasting commandments. Notice the commandments are everlasting. There's no kicking out the Old Testament. None of that. And notice the word of God. Is that not a title for Christ? Well, sure it is. But yet it is our written doctrine. It's the fountain of wisdom. Here, without this Written word, where would we be, folks? Where would we be? Christ said he would uh, keep this word forever for us and give it to all generations. In 6, it says, To whom hath the root of wisdom been revealed? Question mark. Or who hath known her wise counsels? Question mark. Again, Wisdom and understanding is always in the female. It can be a sister. Most of the time it's a wife. It can be a mother. It's always that intimate relationship that you and I have with wisdom. And notice the root. The root is what feeds wisdom. And we're seeing that. They're harmonizing that with Romans 11.34. In 7 it goes on, it says, Unto whom hath the knowledge of wisdom been made manifest? Question mark. And who hath understood her great experience? 8 it says, There is one wise and greatly to be feared. The Lord sitting upon his throne, capital T, folks, that is Jesus Christ, obviously. On the right hand of the Father, 
9, it says he created her and saw her and numbered her and poured her out upon all his works. Okay, notice the numbers. Again, uh, the black and white keys, the good numbers, the bad numbers. God's numbers, God's holy modal system. We need to know all that, folks. All that will increase our learning. And numbers in the Bible teach. And the translators surely teach us about these numbers, even through the uh, numbers that are in the caption. One, two, three, four verses. Uh, I'll tell you, God's holy modal system we're going to keep going into that. Okay, in 10, she is with all flesh according to his gift, and he hath given her to them that love him. Okay, so you say you love Christ. I say we love Christ here. And we get what? The gift of wisdom and understanding, and no greater gift than here in the written word. What a gift. So, well, why? We love him, and he does this for us. In 11, the fear of the Lord is honor and glory and gladness and a crown of rejoicing. Once again, Second Asterisk in the second chapter has a uh, great vision of Christ crowning all the saints there. Okay? And uh, so here you got the... Glory and gladness in this world, do you not? But the world to come is where the fruit is going to really be given out and it's going to explode into eternity with the uh, glory and gladness and the crown that me and you are going to have uh, that's going to last forever. But here we go with the fear of the Lord and they're... Uh, they're um, Harmonizing that with Proverbs 1 7 and Psalms 1 10 10. And uh, really, there's so many times it's spoken of, you couldn't number them all here in this caption. It says, The fear of the Lord maketh a merry heart and giveth joy and gladness and a long life. Okay, and that life eternal is the greatest of all gifts. Uh, on we go into 13. Whoso feareth the Lord, it shall go well with him at the last. And he shall find favor in the day of his death. Okay, so the last in a time at the resurrection, there at the first sickle, there in the vials, that is the great gathering to Christ, where the eagles are, where the carcass is, there will be gathered. But also, on the day of your death, you'll be floating up to God, your spirit will. All right, so you're going to find favor there, because why? You feared the Lord. In 14, to fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and it was created with the faithful 
in the womb. Once again, the uh, fake scientists, the so-called scientists, say that uh, the baby is not alive in the womb, or at least that's what they tried to tell us in school. And, but here, the Lord says he's put this in you in the womb. So you are alive. He is making those bones to grow in the womb. No one knows how that's happened. And uh, to sit there and say that baby ain't alive in the womb, that is just complete and utter fabrication. It's a stinking lie. All right, from Satan. Okay. 15. She, that's wisdom and understanding. She hath built an everlasting foundation with men, and she shall continue with their seed. Okay? And that can be in bloodlines like David to Solomon. But more importantly, our spiritual seed that we plant, okay, and that uh, someone else comes along and waters, God makes it grow, the tree grows, it starts to make fruit. This is the similitude of the growing tree. It's a language throughout prophecy, throughout the Bible. It's easy. And when they make the fruit, what happens? More seed comes, okay? That is our edification process on our way to the new Jerusalem, is it not? 16, it says, To fear the Lord is fullness of wisdom and filleth men with her fruits. Okay, so we just talked about the fruit in the similitude language of the King James, and there it is being used in verse 16. In verse 17, she filleth all their house with things desirable and the garners with her increase. Okay, so if you look at that through the similitude language, uh, this is like the harvest of the spiritual increase, and yet there is a physical part to this too. Uh, Wisdom and understanding can guide your footsteps for you in this world. And if you're doing that, that's going to guide your footsteps right into the garners of the next world to come. The great threshing floor, the great harvest is the end of time. The reapers, those are the angels. Okay? And into the barn goes the fruit. And into the wine press of the wrath of God to be burnt is the stubble. Now that is the similitude language. And it does not change throughout the 77 books of the King James and Enoch and Jaser. Those two supplements to our King James. And we're very careful about any supplements. They must harmonize here with the 77 books. That is our guidepost, not only to the world around us and the events, but also to whether a doctrine is of God or not. In 18, it says, The fear of the Lord is a crown of wisdom making peace and perfect health to flourish, both which are the gifts of God 
and it enlargeth their rejoicing that love him. Okay. Wisdom and perfect health. Okay, so, so number one, we got to have the spiritual health. But physical health even. Okay, and he knows the exact day you're going to go. And you're going to go on that day, no matter what you do, or I do. And um, if God wants you to stay here, you're going to stay here. And you, there's no way of turning that around. All right, he's in charge of the gathering of spirits. And whether you come back with the new Jerusalem or not. All right, so there's that. Notice the joy and all that in 18. The rejoicing that love him. Your relationship with Jesus Christ. 19. Wisdom reigneth down skill and knowledge of understanding and exalteth them to honor that hold her fast. And the greatest of all honors is to be there in that New Jerusalem temple to have a right to enter in through that door, as the book of Revelations says. In 20, we have a, another root here, and remember, that's what feeds the people. It says, The root of wisdom is to fear the Lord, and the branches thereof are long life. Notice the branches. What did we say? The tree. They call it the tree of life. And here are the branches of it. And the root of wisdom is to fear the Lord. So that's what we have to keep that in mind. And to fear God Almighty. A reverence, yes. A love, yes. But also a fear. Okay. So there's that. And the branches. And all that ties into the similitude language. 21 is the fear of the Lord driveth away sins. And where it is present, it turneth away wrath. Okay? So you uh, don't sin, you don't get God's wrath. You, you uh, ask for forgiveness quickly. We all know that. Those are the ABCs of the fear of the Lord. And so there's no reason for wrath. Okay? And even worldly-wise, it can drive away the wrath that's out here in the world. So these are all the benefits of the fear of the Lord. 22. A furious man cannot be justified, for the sway of his fury shall be his destruction. Okay, that's nowhere to be. I'll tell you that. King Solomon himself said, be slow to anger, and don't let your... Uh, Anger go down with you at, at night. Don't sleep on your anger, okay? Get rid of it. Turn it around. In 22 here, we have a warning about all that. 23, a patient man will bear for a time, and afterward joy shall spring up unto him. All through the New Testament, we're taught about patience. We, uh, here we get the gift in the end by patience. Uh, a lot of people say, well, where is your coming, Lord? When are you going to make the crooked straight? 
when are you going to avenge the innocent blood? All right, and that's a lawful prayer. It's right there, that big final prayer in the book of Revelation. It goes up with the sweet savor. All the saints make that prayer. How long, O Lord? But the Lord's been patient for his fruit. And we are to be patient with that also. Because he wants every hair of every head of every one of his saints. Okay, so he's been long patient. He's in... The Lord has uh, winked at some of the sin and let it go for the ungodly people. But that day is coming. The wheat from the chaff. The stubble into the fire. God's fruit into the barn. The saints having the right to walk through that door into the New Jerusalem. All this is where we're headed, and we have to be patient. Okay? And uh, we're seeing it now today. We're seeing it now today how God's prophecies are all coming true. <laughs> they are absolutely jumping off the pages of your Bible. If you're one of these uh, prophecy people that love prophecy like we do here at the table, we are just watching you go back into Podbean there and stroll back, and we've been talking about these things for years, years, and we're watching them unfold, and it's no bolt of lightning hit us on the head. We got it out of the doctrine, okay? It's just a gift, the written word, the written doctrine. The fear of the Lord in 21, it driveth away sins, and where it is present, it turneth away wrath. 22, a furious man cannot be justified, for the sway of his fury shall be his destruction. Uh, but 23, here we go. A patient man will bear for a time, and afterward joy shall spring up unto him. And listen, ladies and gentlemen, there is no greater joy than the new Jerusalem come to earth. There in the vials, there in the book of Revelation 7, 7, and 7. Seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven vials. The ungodly into the pit. God gathers the saints under his wing. There's nothing better than that. 24, he will hide his words for a time, and the lips of many shall declare his wisdom. Okay, all right, 24. He waited to the right time and the right place to speak. Okay. He was patient. He didn't just blurt it out there. It was the right time and right place. We've been through the wisdom of Sirach before, haven't we? How many times? Who knows how many times? But each time we gain something new. We're patient about our quest for wisdom and understanding. Okay? Um, but we're going to have the fruit of it down the road. Uh, the wisdom and understanding here. Uh, you plow that field and plant that seed, soon the harvest will come. That's a fact. So he hides his words for a time. That harmonizes right there with don't cast your pearls before the swine. Right? Because they'll turn and 
attack you over it, right? Paraphrase there. But the right time and the right place and words spoken with wisdom and understanding. 25, the parables of knowledge are in the treasures of wisdom. But godlessness, godliness, I mean, the parables of knowledge are in the treasures of wisdom. This is 25. But godliness is an abomination to a sinner, okay? Uh, that's a, a good example of it is that stinking July 15th abomination that maketh desolate there in Northern California. The, the sacrifice in the grove, the worship of Molech. And here they have this ceremony. It's called the cremation of care. And that's what we're saying. The Satanists, through trauma-based programming, want that beat out of you. All conscience. We got to get rid of that conscience. We got to beat out that out of you or you're weak. See, to them, uh, you ought to be able to kill somebody and sit down and eat a sandwich. It doesn't bother you in the least. That's trauma-based programming. That's what they do at the Bohemian Grove Club, all the muckety-mucks of the world that meet there, worship Moloch. Cremation of care means we're going to get that conscience beat out of you, initiate. That's what that means, and that's a good example of it. It's throughout all the Satanists. They all relish the people that don't have a conscience. They relish the lie. They don't believe in truth. So, no, their compass is completely gone. And that's why it says here, the abom it's an abomination. Godly godliness. They hate godliness. They hate the words of wisdom. They don't realize that they're in deep trouble here in 25. In 26, it says, if thou desire wisdom, keep the commandments. And the Lord shall give her unto thee. Once again, that's a gift from God. But notice the keeping of the commandments. We don't throw the law away. We don't throw any part of the Bible away. It's all there for a reason. All of it. And notice this gift by keeping the commandments. And the Lord shall give her. That's wisdom and understanding to you and I. Isn't that wonderful? In 27, it says, For the fear of the Lord is wisdom and instruction and faith and meekness are his delight. Once again, here we are in the Old Testament, and faith is obviously being taught here. It's been taught all the way back to Genesis. It's taught all through Enoch. It's taught all through Jaser. It just is. So uh, there's no new thing when it comes to faith. And when you have lots of faith, it comes out in your works. Faith and works work together. Notice here, faith and meekness are his delight. Christ himself said to the Pharisees that you are um, neglecting the weightier matters of the law. Judgment, faith, 
and mercy. All right, and 28. Distrust not the fear of the Lord when thou art poor, art poor, and come not unto him with a double heart. Again, they worship the doubleness. Double think is the philosophy of the New World Order, but it's a double heart, double-tongued. The yin and the yang, the dark and the light, mix them together, mingled forces, that's what they believe. And here, uh, when times are hard, and when you're poor, it's hard, because uh, money answers all things. It's part of your society, even though they're using it as a weapon against us now with their inflation tax. But still, the poor people don't want to lose their fear of the Lord. No, 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 no. Because that gives you the what? The double heart. Um, the to and the fro heart. The ungodly heart. Doubleness. Look at the Habsburgs. Symbol, the double-headed eagle. All right? So, doubleness. Leviathan's a double-headed dragon there in the book of Job. And God, what? Bridles him with a double bridle. All right. There we are. We're going to be hitting this double and this philosophy of the yin and yang and the dark and light, the dark light and all that how it goes right into Satanism, it's going to pop up here in the Wisdom of Shirak over and over. So we'll be back to that there in 28. In 29, it says, Be not an hypocrite in the sight of men, and take good heed what thou speakest. Again, we're taught throughout the Bible to watch our words. And Christ said in Mark, he said, Hey, he said it in the other Gospels too, but it's clearly taught very uh, artistically, might I say artistically, in Mark, he says, hey, listen up, all of you. There's nothing that goes in the mouth that defiles a man, but it's what comes out of his mouth, because out of his mouth comes what's in his heart, comes out the blasphemies, the lies, the treachery. That all is what defiles the man, Okay. So there it is. We have to watch our words. Make our words important words. Okay? Make them godly words. Make them words about this wisdom and understanding like we're getting here. We're getting that here in the wisdom of Jesus, the son of Shirak or Ecclesiasticus. We're certainly getting the benefit of these words. 30, it says... Exalt not thyself, lest thou fall, and bring dishonor upon thy soul. And to God, and so God discover thy secrets, and cast thee down in the midst of the congregation. Because thou camest not in truth to the fear of the Lord, but thy heart is full of deceit. Okay, everybody, now that speaks for itself. That speaks for itself. You don't exalt yourself. You humble yourself, we're taught. 
That's what Jesus Christ said. If you exalt yourself, you'll be brought low. And notice here, there's a treachery involved here. There's a deception. What did Christ say about the last days? Take heed that no man deceive you. And these tricks and traps are out here. Even more reason to have wisdom and understanding and to keep our heart fixed on that wisdom and understanding that comes out of our doctrine, my doctrine, your doctrine. It all belongs to every one of us here. So the fact is that this uh, wisdom of Sirach, as I call it for short, it really helps to edify everybody. It just does. So with that being said, we're going to hit this every day, folks. And I hope that you're enjoying it. If you've never read it before, I, you're in for a real treat here, folks. So from the King James Bible Prophecy Church and Table, here we are. Bye-bye. <laughs>